think sometimes people become doulas because they want to save people from the bad birth that they had or they want to help people have the amazing birth that they had and those are the wrong reasons to become a doula frankly although i'm also guilty of that they're the wrong reasons because then what we often do as doulas is um, we try to put our own values on people you know and so finding a doula that is able to separate their own philosophy and their own personal experiences from their work is an important thing when looking for a doula. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. This week, we welcome Steph onto the show. Steph is a visionary in the childbirth field. She leads the Discover Birth organization, providing a variety of services to expectant parents and training for those wishing to pursue work in the childbirth field. Steph is a former board member with the Association of Ontario Doulas and former public relations director and treasurer for Donna International. Steph is a contributing author in the best-selling book Power of Women United and the book Bearing Witness Childbirth Stories Told by Doulas. Her belief is that the world can be a better place if parents can have more positive childbirth experiences that allow them to bond properly with their babies. I'm really looking forward to jumping into this episode with you all. And I just want to say, once again, I'm really grateful for being here and sharing this space with you and all of our amazing guests. For us this week, we are in transition heading out of Costa Rica. I'm currently in the city recording this and wow, it is quite something. (laughs) Waking up to the glorious smog and, you know, falling to sleep with the loud noises and waking up with the loud noises and everything just being about buying something like advertisements everywhere and even though everything's so close, it feels like everything's so far away because you can't walk to certain areas. You have to catch an Uber. And I feel it in my body so much. I feel it in my body. I'm. It's just, wow. Coming from Monteverde, where you're in the jungle, the fresh air, the nature, and then coming to a place that is plastic. And even though there is so many people here, it feels lifeless. So I don't know if anyone relates, if they're living in the city or lived in the city. Um, I know every city is different, but I would love to know your take on this. And I suppose this trip is really reminding me of the importance of radical rest, which is something I keep talking about this week on my Instagram. Because sometimes when we rest, it can seem really uncomfortable and it can fire up our nervous system because rest is seen as unsafe to the mind because of everything that we've been programmed to believe that we should always be doing something. So actually slowing down to just feel the body and let it be nourished can seem like one of the most stressful things. And I asked a poll on Instagram who feels anxiety when they slow down to rest and it's got a hundred percent so far i posted that this morning (laughs) 
And actually that's why we are doing Radical Rest as one of our gatherings in the Women's Circle membership. One we'll be holding this weekend, we will be starting to develop skills in energy healing, which is a technique my partner founded um, from Evolving Humans. And this is something that we're going to sit with on Sunday. So when you listen to this, you might have, you might only get the recording, but we will be doing this every every month or every six weeks just to come together to work with the energy in our body and go beyond the mind and to feel everything that's present and over time develop skills just to sit with that and hold everything in loving awareness. So I hope to see you in some of the gatherings and this is a free event and if you're interested in joining the membership but you don't feel that you can um, afford it right now, I know what's happening in the world, please reach out to me and I'll give you a nice juicy discount because I would love to see you in there. Check out my website which I'll leave in the show notes for all the information on this but basically we're meeting together to learn skills for body literacy, learn tools to nourish our body and our womb and to hold space for discussions to bring us back to our innate wisdom basically and yes it's been such a journey and I'm loving every minute of it so I'd love to see you in there. Alright so what's happening in this week's conversation? So it was such a pleasure to welcome Steph as actually Steph was my teacher whilst I was pregnant with Araya. I sat in on one of her doula courses which was incredible so it was really nice to see her again and she shares her story of her first experience when she realized she could say no to the system a time when she came to learn what informed decision making really meant so if any of you here are looking for a doula or you want to become a doula, you want to do training or you just want to learn some more information, then she really helps to paint a picture around what the pathway would look like if you went through doula training and the history of how Donna International came into play. And so we're really exploring the role of the doula and what the differences are between certified and non-certified doulas. And really the foundation being support for the mother to be with her on this journey and to be the mirror for her, to remind her of her power and her strength. And there's a part in this conversation where she talks about holding space and I think this is a really important one because it's a, it's a phrase that's thrown around a lot and it's one that we've also explored in Women's Circle in one of the first gatherings and I think being able to really like pull these phrases apart to find out what actually is the intention behind it is so valuable because if we are in this field or if we're with 
friends or family that we really want to support, getting to the roots of what it means to hold space is so nourishing for everyone. And at the end of this conversation, Steph shares some really important information about the epidural and how there's a shortage right now. So stay tuned for that because we start to explore our relationship with pain and how we can learn skills to be able to be with the sensation of pain and not always have to suffer. That pain as a sensation can be explored and experienced in a different way than we might have originally thought. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this made sense. It's pretty late here in Costa Rica. I had a little nap after I put Araya to bed and found a burst of energy. So I jumped on and decided to record this intro. But I can feel that my um, tongue is not moving as efficiently as I would like it to. <laughs> so thank you for bearing with me. Again, check out the show notes for all Steph's information and information about our Women's Circle membership because we would really, really love to have you there. All right, let's just take a moment to check in with our body. To take a nice deep breath and feel the lungs expand to the sides. To feel the belly and the body nice and soft. To feel the shoulders and the back of the neck melt with every exhale. To let the hands and the wrists relax. (sighs) Thank you all for being here. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Danielle, and this week I am joined by Steph. Hi, Steph. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here and happy to share. Oh, it's wonderful to see you again. We were just reminiscing of the times when I was on your course. I think it was two years ago. And I was explaining how this was my first first um like step into pregnancy and what that means and what is available and it really blew my mind I was pregnant at the time so it really meant more to me (laughs) because I was thinking oh I'm gonna have to experience this so what is there to know and your course was was so beautiful and the way that it had been created was really easy for me to absorb and I'm so grateful that that was like my first toe in the water or whatever the saying is (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love for you to share with our listeners all about the work that you're doing and really what brought you to this point. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that that was your first, you know, dip, toe dip in the water, because when I had my first son, which is going back 1998, if you can imagine, he is a man, a grown man, uh, and that was pre-internet. And so I had these four books and I read these books cover to cover. I was obsessed with learning about pregnancy and birth. And it's interesting because although I was the first one in my circle of friends to have a baby, I really just had this deep level of confidence in thinking people have been doing this for thousands of years. How hard can it be? 
And the experience was really not what I had hoped for myself. And it's not what I had read about and it's not what I imagined. And so it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second son four years after that, that I knew I needed to do things differently. And I took prenatal classes. I took really good prenatal classes. And, you know, in terms of the stages of labor and all of that stuff, I knew that. I knew that. I'd had a baby. I'd read all the books. But I remember saying to the educator, gosh, I, I hate needles. I wish I didn't have to have an IV. And she said, well, you know, Stephanie, in an uncomplicated labor, research says you don't need to have an IV. But the place where you're having your baby, they do them routinely. And so you're going to need to advocate for yourself. And I went, advocate for myself question mark and she said yeah Stephanie like say no and I went say no like to the doctor and the nurse and I was in my mid-20s and it was the first time someone had exposed me to the idea of being an informed decision maker in my healthcare. and what I came to realize was those Lamaze classes weren't just going to help me have a quote-unquote better birth they transformed me they transformed me as a parent. They, of course, transformed me as a birthing person, uh, but it transformed me as a woman and as a human because I realized the power of my assertiveness, the power of my instinct. And we are so often disconnected from our instincts. We are not raised to trust, to believe, to listen, to hear. And so when someone exposes us to that, which for many of us is when we are pregnant and we take a really, really amazing course, it's like, whoa, there's all of this that's possible. Yes, I hear you. And I feel that I went through the same thing of just being shocked that I'm actually going to be able to make a decision. And it's funny because I have a nursing background. And so I knew all of this, but I didn't associate it with pregnancy and labor. And even still, I have this deep conditioning that we do that we lose some kind of we lose something as we step into the hospital because of all the stories I hear and I just think doing this work is just listening to these stories and connecting to people like yourself it just changes that belief that we have that still rides underneath and I connected with it again when I went into labor I I lost everything that I learned and I decided in the last few weeks of being pregnant that I didn't want anyone there I had a midwife that was supposed to come and I was in Costa Rica and um, really limited on resources. And I decided I wanted to do it alone. And I thought, yeah, you know, I've been training, I've been researching, I've been connecting. And then when it came to it, when I, when I spiraled and expanded and all my past memories came in and I just feel like I lost my anchor, I didn't have anyone there to like keep me there to remind me of my power and what I'm entitled to and that I can make my own decisions. And because actually in the moments, I wasn't in the state to make them decisions. I, I needed someone there with me to be an advocate for me. And I thought I could do it myself. And it's so funny now on the other side, because I, you know, like there's this feeling of grief because I lost that opportunity to have the experience of the home birth that I wanted because I ended up going to hospital. And it's not that I wish for it any differently because it is what it is. But at the same time, I do grieve that because I know now having somebody there by my side would have made the difference. And I would love for you to 
to share more about the role of a doula and where that came from because it is it's almost like a new concept but it's not (laughs) at the same time it's so old Mm -hmm. so I'd love for you to share about that yeah you know in the modern day the modern day definition of doula and role of a doula of course it's really quite new we're talking only the last 30 years or so 35 years that word has been used Um, and the longest standing certifying body has only been around for 30 years of course the role of the doula is as ancient as time and the truth is in almost all cultures if we look back historically in almost all tribes People are surrounded by others, typically female people in birth. And, uh, and you know, we, we still see that in a lot of cultures today where young girls start to play a role at, the, at a birth in a community. And maybe at first it's just getting things that someone needs, but they're exposed to the idea. And so this would have been us, you know, if we were having our babies hundreds of years ago, we would have been exposed to birth. And by the time we were childbearing age, we would have been participated at many births before it was our own. And so there was probably some mystery, some mystique, maybe some fear that was removed from having witnessed you know, your neighbor, your sister, your friend, maybe your mother uh, have babies before it was your turn. You know, what do people know about birth now? Well, whatever media has told them. And so whatever media they have exposed themselves to or been exposed to for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of their lives, that's what their beliefs about birth come from for most people. It's very rare for people to have attended a birth before their own. And yet for the entire history of humankind, that was the experience. That was what was expected. It's new construct for us to not have any experience, you know? And so, you know, when we look at sort of where did this come from? Well, if you think about sort of Dona International as the first certifying organization and those the first people who started formalizing this role, really, they happened upon it by accident, right? They were doing research on breastfeeding in hospitals in Guatemala, funny enough. So not too far from where you had your baby. And they realized that they had someone in the room who was charting you know she was supposed to just be charting and writing down what was happening in the births but she started participating in the births because she felt bad for these people laboring alone often and so her involvement was changing the outcomes and they actually had to start over their study and scrap the original original data but when they went back to the united states they thought hmm that's curious i wonder if that would happen here and they put people a supportive, you know, trained person. I think they were childbirth educators. They put them in birth with people and realized the same thing happened. Labors were shorter. People were less likely to ask for medication. There were fewer cesareans. They were less likely to need Pitocin. So there were all these interesting things happening just because a sympathetic person was next to them. And, you know, I remember hearing this term as a doula holding space. And, you know, I admit as a probably an early childbirth educator, an early doula, I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Holding space, you know? And one day someone described it as, well, because I'm there, the other person can let go. And I was like, oh, now I get it. And I've noticed so often in my, you know, 20 year career now, how often I walk into someone's home, they're in, they've been in labor for a few hours and they're coping well on their own, but they're starting to get a little nervous. 
and I walk into the room and I observe. All I do at first is observe what's happening. How are people handling contractions? What's going on with each contraction? And I notice after a couple of contractions that everybody in the room calms down, the support labor support person, the laboring person, everyone like ah, this kind of collective sigh, Stephanie's here. And it's not because I've got anything magical to do, but all of a sudden I'm holding space and people can labor differently and they, their entire nervous system calms down, you know, it's interesting. I'm taking a deep breath as you're saying that I can just imagine it I'm like living that reality and uh you know it makes me think of when I was in that point and I looked at my partner and I have so I have so many expectations of him in that moment <laughs> you know I'm like what are you gonna do right now like but he's like I, I, I don't know I'm just gonna be here for you do you want a coffee <laughs> and it's what do you say hold in space that is the most powerful thing that a person can do and to be there fully uh, present with a situation, that is a difference. And I think there's a lot of pressure actually on uh, people who are supporting mothers to do something. And it's not just in birth, it's in life all the time. It's like, do something, <laughs> do something. And we're trying, we're flipping that by saying, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be fully present with you. And I'm going to hold this space, this container so that you can fully let go and be in your experience in a safe way. And I see this transition now of, you know, women waking up, waking up to what is happening in the world, how we've been brainwashed so much and how we can have this experience that we want, whatever way that looks, whether it's at home, whether it's in hospital, wherever it is, but we get to choose. And I see that with, with this transition, there's still a lot of unknowns. So until you're in that moment, you don't actually know what your fear is really. And I feel that having someone there that is aware of what's happening in the world, aware of the physio physiology of birth, understanding the stages and just being able to look at you and be like, you're okay, you've got this. That is super powerful. And I wonder, I'm curious on your take of what advice would you give to to mothers and families when they are deciding whether they should choose a doula and how they can find the doula that is going to serve them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, there's so many things that in there in what you just said. The first and the first thing I want to address is I think this pressure that we put on partners and labor support people to be like these epic coaches. And meanwhile, they've never done it before. And I'll tell you support people when there's a really good relationship between them and the laboring person, their ability to hold space and that emotional support is so beautiful and so valuable. But if they've never done it before, it's a really, really big weight for them to feel like they need to know what to do in every moment. You know, as an experienced doula, I really think that that's something that comes from seeing people labor time and time again and to recognize, oh, that, you know, it looks like this person could benefit from this thing. And so for someone that's maybe sitting here listening and thinking, but I just want this to be a private moment between me and my partner. Listen, unless you're having an unattended home birth, you're not going to have a private birth. You are going to be surrounded by strangers. 
Maybe you have a midwife you've chosen that you know, great. What if that midwife's not available? What about a backup midwife being needed? If you have a doctor that you've chosen, you're gonna get likely whatever doctor's on call that day. You get whatever nurse is in your room that day. So you're going to have strangers. Why not have one person that you've chosen as a good fit for you, for your personality, for your needs, for your partner your, or your other labor support people that you know is going to be there for you, you know? And so I think this idea of having this private personal experience is just misguided. It's just unrealistic, like I said, unless someone is planning an unattended birth. So first is just to, to recognize that reality and to maybe begin to take control. And I think that's a lot of it is we feel a lot of loss of control through pregnancy, through labor. And, and we fear that, that our society, our general cultural philosophy around life is a lot about control. It's a lot about success and, you know, taking the bull by the horns. And so many of us find comfort in controlling every aspect of our lives. And then all of a sudden we're faced with this thing that no matter what you know and who you are and how much money you have and all of these things, you need to surrender to birth. You need to surrender to pregnancy. And that's scary for a lot of people. So what if you chose someone that you felt more comfortable surrendering alongside, you know? and someone who could help you mm. maybe acquire some of the skills that you need to acquire to surrender. Mm. I love that. And I just, I think even if in the moments you don't want anyone in that space directly, they can still be just outside the room. <laughs> so you might change your mind in the last minute. There's so many ways that it could look. And mm. with having a doula there, when would you say is best to introduce a doula into this journey? When could they get the best support? <laughs> I think it's a personality thing. So some people call us, they're six weeks pregnant and they just want their team. They want, again, that control, <laughs> that control piece of I've got my team in place. I've got the people I need and now I can continue my pregnancy. Uh, while other people navigate their pregnancy and allow their experience to unfold in whatever way it's going to unfold. And as they get into that second trimester, then say, okay, now I'm going to start thinking about what I want for my birth. And that's where they start to meet people. And I think, you know, choosing a doula, like, listen, I think choosing a doula when you're 39 weeks pregnant is still a really good decision, but it's better decision to choose it earlier and be able to interview a lot of different people until you find the one that you're like, yes, I could picture hanging out with that person and chatting about nothing because birth can be long. And we want someone that we just feel really comfortable with, not someone we feel like we have to host or we have to explain things to. And we all know that feeling of meeting someone and you feel like you've known them. You know, I think that's what we need to look for in a, in a doula. Yes, exactly. I love that. And what would you say the difference is simply between a doula and a midwife? Because I feel like this is one of the things that people get confused about. And maybe they pour so many expectations on the doula because they expect them to do the same or they have the same role as a midwife. Mm -hmm. Yes, true. So 
in simple terms, a midwife is a medical provider and a doula is not. So midwives look differently in different states and different countries, uh, but typically a midwife can keep an eye on the baby's health and the birthing person's health in labor, often also in pregnancy, can manage their pregnancy. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada, and in Ontario, we have regulated midwifery. So it's funded by our healthcare system and people so have free access to a midwife uh, who takes care of them all throughout their pregnancy, all throughout their labor, and for six weeks postpartum. So really amazing level of care. Uh, that's what we would refer to as a professional midwife. We also, in many countries, exist things called a nurse midwife. And a nurse midwife, typically, they are there in labor. They might even have shifts in labor. So you might have one midwife for part of your labor and then a different midwife for another part, depending on the area and how they practice. Um, but it's a more limited scope typically than a professional midwife. Professional midwives would attend births at home if people chose as well, um, but not exclusively. So again, in Ontario, people can choose to have their baby at home or in hospital and keep their midwives wherever they are. So that's a really lovely level of care. A doula is really there as, you know, not everybody loves this example or this explanation, but like as a birth coach, a pregnancy, a birth and parenting coach. It's really someone, we, we talk about these five elements of care right? Providing emotional support. And that's that holding space we're talking about. But someone that you can just call when you're feeling frustrated about the fact that your back hurts can also offer non-medical suggestions. So someone that is not bound by, you know, whatever policies of the hospital or of whatever they know, but someone who's a real you're a real generalist and who really understands the community and can say, oh, there's this great chiropractor. Oh, there's this massage clinic that works on prenatal population. I have a really wonderful osteopath to recommend you. There's this cool reflexologist person that I send people to. Like, what are you into? Let me send you that referral. You know, so there's a lot of referrals and a lot of information sharing. But I think one of the things that a good doula will do is only share information that you want and are ready for. So I have been doing this work for so long, I could talk about any topic for five hours, but what do you need to know? What do you want to know? You know, and often I ask my clients is like, hey, would you want to learn more about X topic that you're talking about right now? Or are you good with what you know? And if someone opens the door, then providing whatever level of information someone's looking for. I hope that you're enjoying this week's episode. I'd like to take a moment to share a little bit about this week's sponsor, Evolving Humans. Evolving Humans teaches the most effective energy healing technique, which we can use to restore balance throughout our whole body. Personally, I have found this practice to be extremely simple and deeply transformative. When I mastered this technique, I was able to regain power over my life. I finally stopped running and distracting myself from my emotions. This technique teaches you to feel the energy in your body and be with it so it can be seen and loved and without any force or suppression. And from that space, it finds its own path which clears you of any unnecessary tension. Have you ever suffered with a chronic disease, injury, mental turbulence, heartache, depression, anxiety? I could go on and on. The question is, what do all of these expressions have in common? 
they create a sensation in your body which creates a discomfort or a pain. What do you usually do when you feel something like this? We are taught to do whatever it takes to remove the pain. Wouldn't you like to heal yourself without relying on an external source? Like I mentioned before, it's so simple. It takes no mental power to do this. You literally just have to feel. Evolving Humans are offering a 10% discount on their course, which will share everything you need to know. Visit evolvinghumans.com and use the code motherhood22. And I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. I think sometimes people become doulas because they want to save people from the bad birth that they had, or they want to help people have the amazing birth that they had. And those are the wrong reasons to become a doula, frankly, although I'm also guilty of that. They're the wrong reasons because then what we often do as doulas is um, we try to put our own values on people, you know? And so finding a doula that is able to separate their own philosophy and their own personal experiences from their work is an important thing when looking for a doula because mm. you want someone who can meet your needs, right? Yes, that's such a good point because I mean, I'm on social media and I see this a lot. There's a lot of pressure to now we're moving into this new, new way of birthing. I say new way, but we're just remembering, but it's still being fit into a box. And there's still these expectations almost of how, how pregnancy and how birth should look. And when I think of a doula myself, I think of somebody connecting to me on all levels of my being and really getting to know me and seeing things that maybe I can't see. So we, when we get into that place where we can really open up and we can share something that's really important to us or an experience that we've had that maybe we don't tell everyone about, but it's something that makes, makes us up. It's something that is a part of us. And when we forget that sometimes if we are, if we're in a moment where our mind is crazy chaotic and maybe our body is uncomfortable and we forget these things that are truly important to us, these things that are deep inside our heart, our truths, we forget them. And I feel that having a doula there can reflect that back at us and help us to find some light when we feel like we're so confused, which happens a lot during pregnancy and especially in labor. It's like we have, we, we are spiraling almost and just to have someone there to look you in the eye and say I see you I see you and that's all it takes because that can be the reminder of what is actually true to us and I think you'll know when you're connecting with somebody that's exploring this journey with you walking alongside you you'll know the difference from someone doing that to somebody who is uh, projecting their beliefs and ideas onto you because it won't feel right it'll feel kind of like icky maybe you'll you won't want to you won't be looking forward to that meeting with that doula there'll be something there and your mind might even be like oh it's because you haven't slept or it's because you're uh, six months pregnant that's why you're feeling this resistance to talk to this doula but no, like tune into that because this is the time when actually you are so sensitive. And if you're having them thoughts, think about it. Why might it be that you don't want to have a chat with your doula today? Why is it that you don't really want them to come around? 
Exactly. And so people hire doulas because they think, oh, I need this. I need advocacy. I need someone who stand up for myself, for me to help, help stand up, stand up for me in my birth and, and to remind me of things when I'm having a tough time. And I want someone to support my partner and I need someone to give me all the information, but, and to do the hip squeeze and back counter pressure and all this stuff in labor and all of that's great and amazing, super useful, but you're right. That emotional piece, that emotional support piece, it's the number one role of a doula. Yeah. And you know, the thing about doula compared to other providers, right? Even, even to our partners, a doula, a doula has no other medical duties, but they have experience and training. So they can be fully there for you without any of those other demands. So can your partner, but they just often don't have the experience and training piece, right? And it's really difficult mm -hmm. to be emotionally involved in a situation and to be able to be detached right you can't yep. you can't be detached and involved at the same time right. so partners and other family members are inherently emotionally involved a doula has that one layer step back from that mm. they have perspective right from that detachment yes and what is the difference between so a doula that say a doula that's gone through your school and is um is linked to donna as a certified body compared to a doula that doesn't go through um a course that is attached to a certified body how do is there differences in what they can offer is there is there limitations when a doula has gone through um a school is there things that they can't do Mm -hmm. I think that's a common thing that people believe and say online is they'll say, oh, I don't want to be attached to this training or this certifying body because then I can't do these things because of the scope of practice. But the scope of practice that most places uh, fall back on, you know, involves non-medical support. And the one place where people often get hung up on is where as a donor trainer, and we say, we teach people not to speak for the laboring person. And a lot of people will say, yes, but they need to be spoken for sometimes. They need someone to stand up for them in labor. And my, my question, I have questions around, around this, this narrative. Do they need someone to speak up for them in labor? Or they, do they need someone to help their voice be heard in labor? Because when you speak for someone, that is disempowering. When I help someone's voice be elevated, that is empowering, right? See the nuance there? So as a donor doula, am I going to slap a scalpel or scissors out of a doctor's hand and say, no, my client said they didn't want that? And of course not. Would I say to my client, hey, Shelly, I noticed Dr. Smith getting ready to do an episiotomy. I know you didn't want that. Do you have any questions about that right now? You know, I'm helping my client's voice be elevated. And that is more powerful, I feel, in my years of experience, when clients have stood up for themselves, either them or their partners or some combination, man, people come away from those births feeling powerful. Yes. You know? If I come into a birth and because I work with X training over Y training and I'm like, I'm going to save you. I just don't think we're actually doing what we think mm, we're doing. That. Yeah. So, I, so 
I feel like doulas, we should all be following a similar scope. Mm -hmm. Um, I disagree with the narrative that if you're a donor doula, you can't stand up for people. That's just not the reality Mm. of of what I teach as a trainer. Yeah. Um, I think people can be great doulas in with any kind of training or no training. Mm -hmm. I think people can be not great doulas with any kind of training or no training. And so, you know, while my heart wants to be biased and say one thing, the reality is I know that people can be really great or really not great doulas, regardless Mm -hmm. of what training they've had, who they're affiliated with and and what certifications they have. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to be more focused on the effectiveness of each of our each of our work you know and less focused on x company or y company yeah it's not about taking that saviorist role nobody needs saving and i love how you're changing the language around this because that we have so much lang- language that we use that disempowers yes. and that is something to look at because language is so powerful Hello. <laughs> She's going for a little bit of milk. <laughs> and we met, we were just talking in the beginning, actually, about um, what were we talking about in the beginning? What's happening in the world? <laughs> there, so there is an epidural shortage that is a global epidural shortage that's about to, I think it's going to rock the birth world in a lot of areas. Uh, so what's happening is the ink that goes on the catheter tube that prints onto the catheter tube that goes into the epidural space when an epidural is given there is a a shortage of this particular ink and um you know as many people probably know ink in your bloodstream in your body is typically not a very good thing uh and so it's a specialized kind of ink and there's a shortage that's happening right now and so we're already seeing this in pockets across north america it's continuing to increase and is becoming more and more problematic and is likely to last through to the end of the year. So of course, you know, I want to take a moment right now for everyone listening who's thinking, you know, but I was planning on having an epidural is just don't freak out, right? This is not about, I don't want people to feel afraid about that um, news. What we want is for people to be aware. This is an opportunity, again, for us to make some decisions, to take control, to pivot our experience. For people who are hoping to have a birth without an epidural, well, congratulations. You are going to have a lot more support from the local hospital staff, <laughs> which to be honest, you know, I, I attend births at some places that have 98, 99% epidural rates. And let me tell you, going into that hospital and having a baby without, a, without an epidural is very, very difficult because they're so easy to get there, you know, but um, so it'll be great for the people who are hoping to avoid that. There's going to be a lot more support from the staff for people who are planning on having an epidural. You know, what does that mean? And I think that this is an opportunity for us to really dig deep here and to explore and to become curious about our beliefs around pain and our beliefs specifically around the pain of birth. Because, of course, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows there are lots of places around this world where there is no access to medication and people deliver healthy babies there all the time. We have an inherent capacity to birth our babies in the full intense power of this experience. 
And we have everything that we need in us to do this. But thankfully, we have access to so much information and so many resources and so many other supports to help us navigate this as well. And so this is a really interesting time for doulas to make themselves more available. I'm sure there's going to be more people who will want to hire doulas right now. You know, doulas are shown, like we talked about at the beginning, to reduce the request for pain management. Why? Why are people less likely to ask for medication when a doula is present? Because a doula is really good at helping their body to perceive fewer pain messages. And that's what we need to focus on. Helping people to increase their resiliency through coping skills, through the mental work that we probably need to be doing in advance of labor. Um, there are lots of things we can do physically to provide comfort in labor. You know, And some other things that people could be doing right now too is to uh, reduce the likelihood of them needing an induction you know, inductions tend to be quite a bit more challenging and typically would benefit from an epidural. And so, you know, avoiding induction induction is really important in, at this time if there's a run on epidurals in your area and, uh, and delaying the time when you go to the hospital because now the hospital has less to offer you in your labor. If your labor is going well and you're a low-risk person, staying at home a little bit longer with your doula or with your partner and other labor support people is a really good idea. Wow. That is, that's crazy news firstly. And I never expected it to be from the ink. I didn't ask in the beginning because I wanted to be surprised. <laughs> so it's a massive, that is a big surprise. It's not what I expected, but also as you're speaking, it's just a realization that this is a gift to explore what pain actually means. Cause we've been told many things about this. We've been shown, we've been shown um, on movies from stories that this is gonna be really painful and you need everything that you can get. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, yeah, you will, it will benefit you to have this, but also with preparation, with having the right support team and doing the practices beforehand, you'll be able to have a different relationship with the sensations that are arising in your body and I had a beautiful conversation with um, a woman who provides um, what's the word for it hypnobirthing <laughs> I've totally gone blank I just started breastfeeding and now my my brain's filled with all these hormones but yeah she was a, a hypnobirthing practitioner and it was amazing for me because the way that she shared this information made me just look at everything so differently in a 30 minute conversation and the way that we connect to our bodies and the stories that we've been told. And it is just another opportunity to get to know ourselves a little bit better, to go deeper in to ourselves before we go into labor. Yes. Mm. Yes, exactly. That preparation is really important. And, you know, having become a childbirth educator 20 years ago and to now, the percentage of people who take classes is diminishing as time goes on. Mm. People think that reading a few things online, you know, talking to their friends, that that is a substitute for good childbirth education. But the truth is, if you can take a really good class, I'm not talking about you go to your hospital and the person lectures for two hours. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a really good prenatal class that is interactive, that is dynamic, 
that is invaluable to, for preparation, for really good preparation. Something that really gets you to think about what you know, what you believe, what you like. The thing is, no one gets to be of childbearing age and not have coping skills. We all have coping skills. We just haven't thought about how we might use those in labor. And, and we can learn more as well, you know, and learn how to navigate um, through the different stages of labor, utilizing those different comfort measures and what is already within. And, you know, and I think people forget that labor isn't what we see on TV, where it's just, you know, your bag of water breaks in a big gush, you rush to the hospital, you push three times and you have a baby after sweating and screaming, right? Labor is usually so slow. It's so long for the majority of people, especially first-time parents, and that the contractions of labor come one minute at a time. And then you get a break where you feel nothing. And then one minute, you know, what can we do with one minute? We can do anything for one minute. It's only one minute. Do we learn, we need to learn the techniques to start from scratch every time, right? One yes. minute. Yes. I remember when I was in transition and I had these images of movies that I seen. I think it was the one from Friends where she's giving birth. And I was like, I am her. Like I am giving. And I was taking on that role, like everything I was doing. Cause I was in, I was in the hospital in the emergency room at this point. And I was like, it's just like the scene, like I'm in a movie. And it's so funny how that comes back. Like as I was coming back around in this transitional period and I was seeing that and it's so funny to me. And also, before I, I got to hospital, I was looking in my partner's eyes and we were just breathing and it was like one, two. And that was like my anchor. That's the only thing that I could remember from all the practices that I had, but it stuck with me. And that's the one that I really enjoyed. But actually, when I was doing the practices, it was the one that I found the least that I connected to actually it was interesting. I love the ones like I'm, I'm tying bubbles to my hands and we're like the, the balloons are floating me up to the sky. Like I loved doing them when I was pregnant, but yeah. in the moments I pulled out the one that I, I least enjoyed, which was very surprising to me. And I'm curious actually to what do you, what do you feel about having an online doula? I know it would be the best to have in person, but what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, listen, if in, in person is not possible, a virtual doula is still so, so, so helpful. Again, it's that person for the other labor support person to give guidance. Listen, try this right now. Try this right now. Hey, we've been doing this for 30 minutes. It's time to switch it up. Hey, go heat up the shower in between. Okay, contraction just ended. Go warm up the shower. After the next one, we're going to get them in there. Like, so someone who could still give a lot of direction. And again, remember coming back to the fact that the most important element of care we have is emotional support. And so that physical support, that's bonus. It's definitely a bonus. And we, and it's important, especially to avoid an epidural or when an epidural is not available, it's important to have that hands-on physical support, but that can be done virtually, like that can be given guidance to the partner, right? Or other labor support people to do that. The doula doesn't need to be there doing it themselves. So I think a virtual doula is better than no doula. And I would encourage families to just move past the discomfort of the fact that you've got a doula sitting there on Zoom or Skype or whatever, FaceTime, and just move past that discomfort, let it go because it's worth it. 
it's worth it. It's better to have that doula there who's observing, who's watching, who's part of it, than to have a partner who's texting a doula once in a while. It's really difficult as a doula to assess a situation on text, right? And so, um, and then it's just one more thing the partner has to do versus the doula just being there and just watching and, and giving that verbal guidance when appropriate, you know? So I think um, it can be very, very effective. We, we've done it, like we've been doing it. My team has been doing it very effectively all throughout the pandemic. Um, doulas often can join someone in early labor. And then if they transfer to the hospital and the doula is not able to continue, then they switch to a virtual. And we've tried phone, we've tried text, we've tried online video. Video is the best. And I would encourage families to just do that if possible. But if not, the other things are still effective, you know, and we still get a baby in the end. And, and uh, doula's information can still be helpful. Ah, the beauty and the power of technology. As much as we might resist it, and it might be a pain in the ass sometimes, it is helping us, it is supporting us in some way. Well, this conversation has been amazing, and I'm so grateful to sit with you and to see you again. Yeah. So, Steph, I would just, I'd be really grateful if you would take the stage right now and just share with our listeners where they can find you, what you have to offer. Yeah, so we are a team that serve the Toronto area in Ontario, Canada, but our classes are virtual and we're happy to have people from anywhere. That website is discoverbirth.com. And anyone that's looking to become a doula, I'm a very busy doula trainer, as we've talked about, and that website is doulaschool.ca. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I'll leave all this information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Steph. Mom.